This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.08. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila, Lynn and Sharad. First up this hour, all political appointees will be let go with immediate effect. So, several sources confirmed that this decision was made during a cabinet meeting yesterday and the terminations will apply to political appointments to federal statutory bodies, government-linked companies, finance ministry... Inc. and uh, government-linked investment companies or GLIC. So this is seen as a follow-through of Pakatan's election campaign promise to dismantle political patronage. Yeah, the Institute of Democracy and Economic Affairs uh, found that there was an increase in political appointees within the federal statutory bodies uh, during Ismail Sabri Yaqub's tenure as Prime Minister. Now, 234 such appointments have been uh, made uh, from August uh, 2021 to September 2022, and that uh, nine, 119 were new appointments, while 115 had been made, or rather had been maintained from the previous Mohidin Yassin government. If you're curious, the ministries with the highest volume of political appointees, uh, just to go through that list, higher education had 10, rural development, transport, agriculture and food industries had eight each, plantation industries and commodities, seven political appointees. So I find this really quite interesting because it is sort of a following through of, as you mentioned, uh, Lynn, a campaign promise. And um, also in a larger sense, listening to um, the long-held frustrations from voters that these sorts of important positions should be held by actual qualified people rather than being handed out in res- um, in return for, I suppose, um, support. And and this is, a, I think, anyway, cautiously, I think, this is a, a step in the right direction. Yeah, I think it's very interesting. I, I'm also curious to see how it's then going to be uh, replaced or how the positions will be replaced, what kind of system or model is going to be applied. In general, right, I think you can form a through line even from the discussions we've been having about the cabinet to this situation because in all of it, we have been talking about how we're going to move away from offering, as you say, Sharmila, important positions for perceived political favours or, you know, as a response to or a reward for something for support offered. And all of that is a moving away from it. But uh, I suppose because it's new ground, I'm just... I'm just waiting to see what comes next. Yeah, there's always a problem, though, with wanting to reform an institution or change practices that have you know, long existed because it's not just what we gain from it that we all kind of can list out the gains in terms of a better governance, a more nimble, a responsive uh, leadership. But there's also going to be the losers. And the question is, are the losers going to take this uh, sitting down? And that's the tricky part of any reform agenda. There are, There is going to be pushback. There's going to be a backlash. And the question is, are they just going to um, accept it or they're going to sabotage the government that's in fact pushing forward these changes? 
I'm also curious about what it means for the organizations themselves, right? Because being let go immediately means some very high positions are vacant. Who's going to be calling the shots? What is the mechanism of a new person taking over the position? Um, so, I mean, it, it is interesting um, that this is happening and we will learn, uh, or rather we'll look at what this means very shortly with our guest, uh, Dr. Trisha Yeo, CEO of Ideas. But in the meantime, we are talking about political appointees being let go with immediate effect. Let us know, are you supportive of this move? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Bringing fresh meaning. BFM. 89.9. It is 5.12. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila, Lynn and Sharad. And we are talking about a decision that uh, has just come to light that all political appointees will be let go uh, with immediate effect. Let us know, are you supportive of this move? You can call us, double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now on the line is Dr. Trisha Yeo, CEO of Ideas. Trisha, good to have you with us. Hi, good evening. Thanks for having me. So in addressing institutional reforms, um, in particular the ways in which GLC's institutory bodies are governed, was this what you expected to see from the ANWA administration? So uh, I think that, of course, Anwar Ibrahim and the coalition that he represents, Pakatan Harapan, have always talked about good governance, uh, doing away with political patronage and so on. Um, but to see this happening so soon within the first few weeks of his administration, uh, admittedly, was a little bit of a surprise uh, given the fact that this unity government or coalition government um, does not comprise only of PH. In fact, it includes Barisan National and we know that this culture of appointments into GLC boards and so on uh, is a culture of the past. It has been employed um, by all administrations. And uh, as you correctly pointed out earlier, Ideas Project on Pantau Kwasa, which you can see on the pantaukwasa.com website, does show that the most recent Ismail Sabri administration is the one that has had the highest number of political appointees, which was uh, a Barisan National slash Perikata National Government. So whether or not this comes at the uh, with the agreement of all coalition members um, so soon and you know just after one cabinet meeting is surprising. Uh, well, we do welcome it in the first instance, but I think we also want to be cautious and to see what this uh, political appointments regime is going to replace by. As you referred to, a bulk of these appointments were from AMNO. Uh, will this move affect the alliance, you think, between Pakatan and AMNO and potentially risk Anwar's chance of securing the confidence of the parliament? So, well, it, a lot of it is ultimately based on negotiation and concessions. Um, the fact that AMNO has had a substantial number of uh, appointments to the cabinet may allay some of these concerns or these demands uh, from the bottom up. But having said that, um, it's also very typical that either, number one, the members of parliament who have not been given cabinet positions would be assured of some kind of directorships on GLCs, or the losers sometimes are also placated. 
who are loyalists, right? People who have been serving the party for a very long time. Um, it could cause some consternation. And again, we would really need to look at the party election that's due to take place by May next year uh, to see whether this will cause any reason for the AMNO grassroots, uh, well, not perhaps the grassroots, but the leadership of AMNO within the ranks to raise concerns about how, uh, you know, was this decision not consulted with them? Uh, was it a blanket decision, decision that did not receive the necessary feedback from the party? And also, I would be interested in whether this culture is going to be applied at the state level, because don't forget that political appointments are also made um, at the state level, where there are a lot of state GLCs, which largely go unmonitored. Tricia, there's a widely held uh, perception that, you know, these appointments are rewards for loyalty. We've gone through that. But are all political appointments, in fact, done in bad faith? I think there's a flip side argument, right, to the fact that we should have absolutely no political appointments at all, which is that uh, it's important that GLCs, if they serve a certain public purpose, a certain social function, that they need to exist um, some form of representation from government to achieve uh, political alignment or rather government alignment with government policy uh, to ensure that all these entities and all these bodies are moving in the same direction. Uh, however, given the experience in Malaysia in the past, the concern, of course, is that the conflict of interest especially when the GLC boards are um, chaired by political appointees. So I think there also can be a distinction made between the politically appointed chairman and the boards of directors within all of these GLCs and federal statutory bodies. Um, previously, I had made some comments that if we wanted to go on a step-by-step -step basis, we would first avoid political appointees as chairs of these boards and then we start to look at removal of them from the boards. Uh, so again, you know, having these two things happen at the same time uh, is fascinating. But uh, I mean, going back to your question specifically, I think it's not always the case that the conflict of interest um, will necessarily emerge. But it is very good to be careful and starting with the outset of not having political appointments of course, avoids these conflicts of interest from taking place at the outset. So when it comes to the organisations or institutions themselves, uh, will the rescinding of these um, 234 appointments impact the governance of these institutions? Um, could it possibly cripple them? It, it won't affect the governance. Um, I think what will happen is that the boards of of these GLCs will take a much longer time to obviously to be reconstituted. And then the question of whether certain decisions can be made because the meetings cannot be convened yet. Uh, these boards need a certain number of quorum to be able to make decisions at a higher level. So unless the boards can be reconvened very quickly, then you might find that it's not the governance that it's affected, but it is the speed and the efficacy with which or through which these GLCs and entities would be able to make decisions. Um, and most of these boards are meant to meet, say, on a quarterly basis or so. So what is the replacement, right? So if the boards cannot be reconvened, 
then, um, you know, does the senior management of these GLCs, are they empowered to be able to make those decisions that are typically made by the boards? And of course, uh, again, because of conflict of interest, ideally, the senior management should not make certain decisions. So I think, yes, it's good this announcement has been made, but it must really be very quickly followed with what the plans uh, are for all of, all of these GLCs. And uh, do we have uh, a good stock of professional individuals, highly skilled, highly qualified, to be able to replace these numbers of political appointees? And also, you know, realistically, um, will this actually happen in a, a scenario in which there are absolutely no political appointments made across the board, um, boards as well as on the chairmanship. Do we know what, um, if any, have been the contribution of these political appointments to the governance of these entities? Well, we don't know in detail uh, for each specific GLC. Um, I think the best way is to look at... Um, you know, negative cases. So cases in which something bad did happen because unless something bad happens, unfortunately, it's not going to be reported in the media. Um, if you look at, of course, the famous cases would be of 1MDB and the related cases as well as that of um, the Pambina and PFI. And in both of these cases, they were GLCs, government-linked companies, um, whose governor, who, whose board, of governors or board of directors did not play their legal and fiduciary duties. And this has already all been revealed um, in the courts. So we know cases of what happened in large, uh, significant ways. But I think there are many, many other smaller ways in which perhaps poor decisions may have been done, but we don't have that kind of data and information. And this goes back to the question of, what kind of governance do we have of all the GLCs and the FSBs that do exist in Malaysia? Because um, in some countries, including some of our regional neighbours, like in the Philippines or Thailand or even in China, um, they have existing bodies, whether it's parked at the Ministry of uh, Finance or parked at the Prime Minister's office, there is a regulator that oversees all the GLCs in the country. And right now in Malaysia, we don't have that. So without this regulatory or monitoring and enforcement body, we actually don't have very much information about um, the operations of all these GLCs. Yeah, so you talk about basically the lack of uh, transparency in their operations, but is there something um, we need to understand about the different types of GLCs and stat boards that exist and how such a move or the kind of recommendations that you make might uh, differ from GLC to stat and stat board in terms of the, the kind of entities they might be? Yeah, so it's really important for us to be able to distinguish, right, between all of these uh, vast, this vast network of GLCs. So first, you have the government-linked investment companies. Um, they are, you know, large entities and they are the institutional investors of very many number of funds in Malaysia. And then you have the publicly listed um, state-owned enterprises. So these would be entirely owned uh, some of them are, are entirely owned by the government. Um, most of them actually are parked under the Ministry of Finance Incorporated or Minister rather, Minister of Finance Incorporated. That's the official name, MOF Inc. And then you have the federal statutory bodies that are set up by way of statute. Uh, 
um, by um, you know a, a legislation at the federal or the state level, and therefore they have certain obligations to report back to those assemblies that have set them up. And you have um, the vast number of other smaller ones in which government has some stake. Um, it could be a majority state, it could be a 30% larger stake, and it could be even smaller than that. So with this vast network, if we distinguish um, these as different categories and how we were to treat them, I think we have then a better prescription of how uh, the potential conflicts of interest that can open up for each of this. So for example, if it's a publicly listed company, then we're not too concerned because they are already being governed by the likes of Bursa Malaysia, uh, and they do have these, you know, legal and statutory requirements to do so. But for the others that go unchecked, uh, that's where I think the concern lies. So we do have this um, message from Sharul, who's asking, or rather a question from Sharul, who's asking, how much cost saving is expected with the termination of political appointees in terms of remuneration and the benefits involved? Yeah, it's difficult to make those calculations, right? Because it links back to the question that you asked earlier. Uh, what kinds of uh, decisions have actually been made that were detrimental to the GLCs? And it's, of course, it's really easy to paint a sweeping brush to all GLCs and say that as long as it's a political appointment, um, that's not going to negatively impact on the GLC. So we can't say that without knowing the data. I can only talk about the negative cases um, I can't talk about a representative sample of, you know, all of the GLCs. So this is why it has to be, we have to be careful as researchers. But what we do know is that there are standards that need to be met. Uh, there are corporate governance standards. Uh, we don't have to go very far. In fact, Malaysia itself, a long time ago, even in 2006, um, introduced under the uh, there's a green book that was introduced by the Putrajaya Committee on GLC High Performance that talked precisely about establishing guidelines for GLC boards to enhance their effectiveness and revamping board practices and processes. All this is online. You can find it. Um, you know, it's it's now 2022. And I think the question is, have we done this exercise for all of the GLCs in Malaysia? Uh, there are international guidelines to look at. There are OECD guidelines on what we need to do as boards of state-owned enterprises. So there are checklists that can be used as references. It's just who's going to do it, really. Like who is given that mandate to ensure that all the GLCs are adhering to these, uh, you know, very, very good and well-developed checklists. And in terms of addressing corruption and undue political influence, what kind of cascading effect are you hoping to see? Well, cascading effect, um, if, okay, so the assumption is this, right? So the assumption is if we appoint professional individuals on boards who would not be compromised based on their political positions to make certain decisions, um, and therefore the decisions are going to be neutral and on behalf of the on behalf of what's good for that company, um, they know what the bottom line is. They would they are thinking about the company rather than of the political interests itself. So that the assumption here is that they would be able to make um, wise decisions, avoid conflicts of interest, uh, limit political interference, and ensure that 
there will be more efficiency and then no preferential treatment is given, for example, to certain contractors um, if large contracts are being discussed at the board level. So then that's the flow uh, of change, right? That's the theory of change where they make professional decisions at the boards which are uh, which are good and effective. And that is the very, you know, mundane way in which corruption can be weeded out. Uh, it happens decision by decision. Trisha, thank you for... Yes. Sorry. <laughs> thank you for speaking with us today. Oh. Okay, well, thank you for having me. Uh, have a good evening. That was Dr. Trisha Yeo, CEO of Ideas, um, speaking to us about the, um, the the news that political appointees will be let go um, as of immediately. Uh, this materialised after a cabinet meeting yesterday. So we've been asking you, what do you make of this? Are you in support of this? You can call us, double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.